0: with me in your copy of the scripture this morning, book of Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> we are concluding our battlefield series today, a recap from the things that we've kind of learned in this series. Uh, one of the things we've learned is to identify that number one stronghold in your life that holds you back. What is that number one lie that the enemy's been telling you that holds you back? And then to use the truth of God's Word to eliminate and demolish whatever that lie, that stronghold is. We've learned that you can't have a positive life with negative thinking. We've learned that you don't change the, if you don't change the way you think, you'll never change the way you live. We've also talked about changing our perspective and how that we always seem to find the things that we're looking for. Um, if you've missed any of these, they're available on our website. You can check it out and, and do that. It's been a really good series for me. I know that I've learned a lot. I've learned a, a lot of things in this that have helped me, and hopefully they've helped you uh, in this process as well. And Today I want us to go back to Philippians chapter 4, and I want us to remember, first of all, that Paul's a prisoner in Rome. He wanted to be preaching, but he's actually a prisoner And the book of Philippians is written while he is in prison. So we're going to start in verse 6. And if you could either follow on the screen or follow in your scripture today. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with gratitude. Make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is any praise, think on these things. Do those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Father, today I pray... This morning is one of those key elements, God, as we look at this battlefield of the mind. I know we've talked about a lot of things the last several weeks, but God, today is one of those key elements. So right now I pray, open up our hearts and our ears, God, to hear what you want to speak to us today. I pray that I could be able to communicate it clearly and that your power would be on display here this morning. Anoint me and use me, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that the peace of God... Will guard your hearts and it'll guard your minds. peace of God guards your heart and your mind. I'm gonna ask a question. Do you ever have runaway thoughts? Do you ever uh, have your mind that just kind of tends to wonder? I know a few weeks ago we talked about prayer ADD, but how many of you have it more, more often than just when you're praying? Right? I know that there were times whenever I was in class that I had one, you know, the professor might say something and all of a sudden my mind would just start to wander off and go different places and on different things. And I'm sure that's happened to a lot of you and and, and maybe you're here today and, and maybe you've had your mind wander. Have you ever had your mind wander over fear, anxiety, worry? Those kind of things, have you ever had those come over you? Those kind of moments when, man, it's just like all of a sudden fear grips your heart? Melinda, I want to apologize right off the bat um, for this. Um, I, I, when I was a kid, I did something that was not real real nice. I threw a tennis ball at the school bus. It wasn't rocks. When I was a kid, we we played baseball about every nice day out in the backyard and we couldn't play with a baseball because the baseball would break the houses of the the windows in the house and so we play with a tennis ball and and so us as elementary kids we got done our route was done early and then the high school middle school route they went by the house at about four o'clock well we were already out there man we, we probably played a couple innings and anytime the bus would go through we'd take that tennis ball and we'd have a game to see who could hit the back of the bus We didn't want to hit the front of the bus. We weren't quite that mean. But we thought we'd hit the back of the bus. And so one day I had a hold of the ball and that bus came by and I thought, man, this is my chance. I'm going to let it rip. And so I reared back and I threw that ball as hard as I could and boom, it hit the back of the bus. And for the first time ever, the bus driver stopped. When the bus driver stopped and I saw the bus doors open, I high-tailed it around. The only problem is we were doing it at my house. So the bus driver goes over and knocks on the door of, of my home, and my mom answers the door, and, and she says, can I help you? And the bus driver says, someone threw a tennis ball at my bus, and I need you to get him to stop. My mom, you know, back in those days it was guilty until proven innocent. I'll take care of it. I didn't play baseball for a while. But when that bus stopped, there was something that gripped my heart that I hadn't had before. And and even today, sometimes when I see a bus come to a stop, I my heart jumps a beat. (laughs) Wait a minute, they're coming for me. maybe for you that anxiety or fears that test you can't pass you know the the thought process you know we've talked about that your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thought and that's a great thing that's good news if you're thinking about good thoughts if if you're thinking about the thoughts that are found in in verse 8 of Romans chapter uh, Philippians I'm sorry Philippians chapter 4 if you're thinking about true and lovely things if you're thinking about just and pure things and honest things man that's a good thing and and that's uh, that's a good sign but most of us our our minds tend to run to a fearful stressful high pressure negative place and when we get to that place it can lead us to a place where we are unhealthy and not pleasing to God. Why is it important? Why is it that we think this way in our mind? Why, what causes us to do that? Well, I, w- I want to walk you through a, a uh, science neuropsychology type class this morning. Are, are you with me? <laughs> oh my goodness, this is going to be hard if you're not with me. I'm just telling you that right now. I'll make it worth your while, I'll promise, alright? So, here's, here's, uh, here's the deal. There's a part of your brain, it's an almond-shaped part of your brain, and it's called your amygdala. amygdala. Your amygdala. When you're afraid, your amygdala goes into high gear. It's it's that part of your brain that is, is geared toward survival mode. The fight or flight thought process. It is the one that handles your emotions. It's, it's the one that's wired, wires you for survival. And it also allows us to make us to want to run away. So if you're in a scary situation, if, if you're in a thing that is, is difficult for you, or maybe you're in a situation where, you know, maybe it's not like somebody jumping out and scaring you, but maybe you're in a situation where you got a scary report from a doctor. Or maybe you are in a situation where a relationship is broken and it's hurting. That amygdala kicks in and sends strong doses of adrenaline to your body. Let me give you a couple practical thoughts. Let's say you see a poisonous snake. (laughs) If I see a poisonous snake, man, I am running. Chances are I'll run that snake, right? I'm running. Your amygdala says, danger, run for your life. You're driving down the road, and the person next to you is doing this, and they're texting. And all of a sudden, their car starts to drift into your lane. Your amygdala says, swerve, look out, hit your horn. Well, maybe that's another part of your brain, but... You hear a noise in the middle of the night, your amygdala says get the baseball bat, turn in Chuck Norris and defend your home, right? It's the part that tells you that you're responsible for your survival. The, the problem is, is that this part of your brain has no logical component. It needs help from your prefrontal cortex to provide a logical explanation so when you hear something in the middle of the night and your amygdala says, turn into Chuck Norris, grab the baseball bat, your prefrontal cortex might say something like this, oh, it's just the cat. It's just the kids coming in. It's just the heater that kicked on. <laughs> it's not the fact that your, your amygdala says, I'm going to die. But my prefrontal cortex says, no, that's probably not the case. It takes the logical part to work with the survival mode. And without this, your amygdala would be programming you to be fearful and running about everything in your life. I would be scared to death day of school buses if it wasn't for my prefrontal cortex. That says you shouldn't have thrown the tennis ball in the first place. Right. When we look at that in scripture, many of us, you know, because we have lived our our life in such a way to respond, to be pre-programmed to respond to triggers that take us to an unhealthy place. What tends to happen is our amygdala has given us pathways, if you will, toward that process and we need to reshape and rethink our mind. Look look at Scripture. Jesus doesn't say this. He doesn't say, let your hearts be troubled. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. The angels didn't say, glory to God in the highest, and stress and anxiety on all the earth. They said, no peace on earth. Paul didn't say, be anxious about everything. No, he said, be anxious for nothing. So that big test you feel like you can't pass, that job interview that could mean the next step for you and the next level for you in your life, that future spouse that's stressing you out because you don't have any prospects right now and you don't see it. Every situation, it says, in everything, whether that's a financial stress, whether you're battling addiction, whether that's a marital challenge, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he says what? The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer. See, you may be sitting here today and, And you may be asking, well, how can I achieve this? I've read this passage of Scripture before in my life. And it talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding, will protect my heart and my mind. How in the world do I ever achieve that? Well, the Scripture here says that it's the pathway of prayer. And we're talking about the mind and prayer this morning. The problem with us usually is that we get to the place for most people that prayer is a last resort. And in a sense, what we're doing is we're coming to God and we're saying, well, I've done everything I can do. I guess it's your turn. Well, I guess, God, I'm down to you now. I don't know what else to do. Prayer should be our first line of offense to be able to go, we have this access that that the Spirit gives us to go boldly before the throne of God and He will hear your request. And not only does He hear your request, but He responds to your request. I think sometimes though, our, our, our problem is that God doesn't respond in the way that you want Him to respond. Oh my goodness, it's quiet in here. We want God to handle it our way and do it with our timing and god if you don't do it my way and in my timing we've got an issue you know why it's because we live in a microwave society want everything right now i am terrible i'm going to be honest i am terrible my wife will attest to this about leftovers i'm awful if it's not in the front of the refrigerator i ain't digging That was your perfect time, guys, to get a witness. And whenever I get it out and I put it in the, uh, the microwave, I want it to be done in a minute or less. So I'll get something out. We, we did this this week. My wife made biscuits and gravy one night for dinner, and I was getting gravy out the, the next day or so, and, and I put it in the microwave, and I'm thinking, in one minute's time, I better have hot gravy. And I hit the button. And one minute came through, and it was, eh. Warm gravy, wasn't hot, wasn't super cold, but it wasn't warm. So I'm getting frustrated, and I'm oh stir this up. My goodness, I gotta stir this up. Put it in for another minute, because I only do things minute at a time. I don't anything over a minute, man. There's a button, one minute. Bink. And I hit that one minute button. I know you're all laughing because I almost went through this communion table. <laughs> and if it's not done in that time, I get frustrated. We, do, we treat our prayer life that way. God, if you don't do it on my timetable and my amount of time that I've set up for this, God, you've messed up. And, and I've got to take it back and do it my own way. And, and the problem is sometimes when we give our requests to God, how many of you know sometimes the answer is no? And sometimes the answer is later. You gotta wait. And sometimes I get into the mode, and and maybe you're not this way, but I get in the mode where I sometimes will pray selfish prayers. Come on now. You're looking at me like you're like I've sinned or something. Tell me you don't do that. Pray selfish prayers. Type prayers. God, I need you to do this. But the thing I want us to understand is God is not bound to answer the way we want, but we are the ones who are bound to take them to him in prayer. God should not be a last resort. He should not be something that we come to when all the other options have failed. God should be our first line of offense. He should be the first place we go to when we need to have in our life. Not just because of the worries and the issues and the anxieties and the struggles, but every day part of our life. Because you see, prayer not only does God hear and respond to prayer, but prayer changes you. Not only does God hear you when you pray, not only does he respond when you pray, but can I tell you, prayer does more for you than it does for anything else. We believe here at our church that prayer changes things. But the thing it changes the most is you. How many of you know your brain is constantly renewing itself? It's rewiring itself through experiences, through stuff you learn, And so we should be learning in such a way that, from the journey of our life that learning is continual, and your brain processes things that way. I want to get into something I, I learned about this week. It's called neurotheology. Neurotheology. It is the study of the relationship between the human brain and a belief in God. Study, this study concurs the idea of prayer in your life and the fact that prayer changes your brain. It not only moves the heart of God, but it changes the chemistry in your head. It helps renew your mind. There's a lady that wrote a book, a, a neurotheologist wrote this book. Her name is Car- Carolyn Leaf. I found this so Um, amazing. She wrote this book. It's called The Switch on the Brain. And in it, she says this. She says, it has been found that 12 minutes of a daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. I'm going to say that again. Twelve minutes of daily focused prayer for eight weeks can make your brain move in such a way, physically even, that it shows up on a brain scan. That is the power of what prayer does to your life. It's not just about you going to God and saying, God, I want. God, I need. God, here I am. It's one of those things that says, God, I love You. I'm going to move my heart. I'm going to move my life. I'm going to move my focus toward You. And as I do that, God, You are changing everything about me. Prayer changes things. But it also changes you. Those toxic negative things. Thoughts that are hurting your brain. Those things that are pre-programmed for us that are negative, unhealthy thinking and unhealthy living. Prayer heals that and it renews the mind. There's a passage of scripture. It's in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 and it it says this. It says uh, to not be conformed to this world. If you could throw that out there. I don't have it on my notes, please. Thank you. Romans 12:2 Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed why how by the renewing of your mind don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. What's the patterns of this world? It's worry, it's hate, it's anger, it's anxiety, it's all of those things. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? Literally renewing your mind by prayer and by God's Word. So can I ask a question? Why, why do we worry then? Why do we worry? Why do we lose sleep and become anxious? Get freaked out over things. I think there's a lot of reasons, but I think one of the reasons it works is that we're experiencing something called amygdala hijack. (laughs) You're in a situation and all of a sudden your amygdala says this, Panic! I knew I'd wake some of you up. It says survive. It says prepare for the worst case scenario. It says, man, it's bad. It's only going to get worse. It's too late to pray. Forget everybody else and save yourself. And Paul would say in the middle of that that your mind's being dominated by sinful worldly thinking. So what is worry? Worry is simply this. It is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Worry says this, God, I don't believe you're good enough to cover this. Worry says, God, I don't trust that you got this. In the text that we talked about, that's why it's so important. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, that's why it's important that we take every thought captive. Because your thoughts will have that that survival panic mode, and it gets to those points and you just want to run! But it says, no, you don't run. You take every thought captive captive because I'm not going to be dominated by my sinful nature I'm not going to be dominated by sinful thoughts I'm going to take out the will of God I'm going to put God's life into my life I'm not going to get into a place of darkness instead I choose to follow God's truth which leads me not to stress not to worry not to anxiety not to fear or panic but it leads me to life and it leads me to peace so how do we do this how do you have your prefrontal cortex, grab your amygdala by the horns, and make this happen? Well, there's a couple of things I want to show you today. I think sometimes our view of God is somewhat like this. Our worries take up the biggest part of us. That's all we think about. Because why? Because they're right in front of us. It consumes us. You know, I, I had a friend and he did this and I've, I think I've done this before. Take your finger and put it right on the bridge of your nose. Let this finger re, re, uh, recognize your worries, your concerns, your, your stresses, the things of life. And you put that right in front of your nose. Come on, don't let me do the only one. Participate. Here we go. Now, when you do that, you can put them down. When you do that, what you could see is very limited. Why? Because the focus of everything about you is right here on your issue. You know why? Because it consumes you. What we're talking about as far as getting perspective about renewing your mind, it doesn't mean that the problems and the worries and the concerns of this world are going to cease. It doesn't mean that they're going to go away, but you're going to put them in proper perspective. They're not going to be right here in front of you. You're going to pray. You're going to seek after God. You're going to take every thought captive, and you're going to move these out here where you have perspective. Some of you say, Man, I got a whole handful of stuff. (laughs) The situation is still the same. Whether I got a whole handful or whether I got one, I've got to move them out here. I've got to get perspective and say, God, I trust you with this. The problem is we get this idea of how big our worries are. We get so consumed by all of that that we forget. And one other thing I think we do, when this begins to happen, you know what else begins to happen? Our viewpoint of God is small. And God becomes this small thing. God, whenever I'm going to bring them to you, but I've done everything I know to do, and I'm still going to worry, and I'm still going I'm, to, I'm just going to bring them to you and see what you do. We'll just see what happens. But I challenge you to change your perspective. I challenge you to change your perspective and do a little switch. So many times we want to tell our worries to God. And we want to just unload on God. And there's nothing wrong with unloading on God. He can take that. But I think sometimes we need to start telling our troubles and our worries how big our God is. We need to start telling these things here that say, you know what? God is for me. He is not against me. He has a plan for my life. My life is surrounded by Him. I am in Him. I am for Him. And there is nothing that you can do, devil, to make me understand that God is not bigger than anything I have need of. Hallelujah. But here's what we do. And here's the challenge for you. Let's say you've got some things that you're worrying about and you can't just seem to get them off your mind. You've got troubles and stressful things that you're just like, man, I, I'm consumed by it. I can't, can't seem to get it off my chest. I want you to do this. Here's a little exercise. I want you to make a box. It may not be as fancy as mine. But I want you to make a box. And I want you to get a piece of paper. And I want you to write that down. Whatever that stress, whatever that worry is. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that and I want you to symbolically and I want you to prayerfully take that and say, God, I give this situation to you. I trust you with it. And you let it go. And you move forward. Here's the part. Because all of us are tempted to do this. Go back and get it. Right? Here's the deal. I'm going to make a deal with you. You can go back and get it. From your God box. And some of you, this is very practical for you. And this will really help you. Don't dismiss this. But here's the deal. Anytime you go back to get it from your God box, as you're pulling it out, you have to verbally, physically say this out loud, God, I don't trust that you have this thing. I'm going to do it myself. I don't think that you can cover this, God. I think the only person that can do this is me. And as you take that out, that's exactly, you may not mean that, and you would never say that publicly here. You would never come out and say, oh, I would never do that. Oh. (laughs) But whenever you pick up those things, that's what you're doing. You're saying, God, I I, I don't trust you with this. I don't trust that you've got this covered. I'll have to do it myself. That might be a 14-year-old son or grandson that you're seeing live an unhealthy and sinful pattern in his life. You might be writing down your bills that you can't keep up on and that keep you up at night. You might be writing down things about your future that you don't have a script for yet. You might be writing down things about a relationship that's broken. Whatever it is that you write down, write it down, and put it in your God box and say, I'm trusting you, God, with this situation. I'm trusting you with this person, and I'm going to move forward. The Bible says that we are all instructed to do what? To cast all Of our cares on Him. Why? Because He cares for me. All my worry. All my issues. All my situations. All of my stuff. I cast all of it to Him. Because He cares about me. The idea here is that we just don't take our worries to God because sometimes we get in that mode too. All we do is come to God and say, oh God, I'm in a pickle. God, I need this. God, my finances are bad. God, this person don't like me. God, this, God, that. And what we really need to do is get past the idea of just taking our worries to God and take our entire life and find it in God. That we are covered by Him. That He is more than enough. That He has enough to cover me in Christ Jesus. That's the only way you'll really find peace. That's the only way you'll really find that peace that surpasses all understanding that guards your heart. Is if you take your life and you say, God, I don't want to do it my way. I choose to do it your way. And you take your life and you put it in God. Put it in Him. You may be here today and you're like saying, well, that sounds kind of irresponsible, doesn't it, Pastor? He's going to write stuff down, throw it in your box, and kind of let it go and kind of, whoo, God, whatever you want to do. Doesn't that sound kind of irresponsible? I think you're living in a state of denial and it's not just a river in Egypt. Well, let me kind of give you a couple things because I don't want you to come across like we're living in denial. That we just deny that anything happens in who we are. Okay. So I'm gonna give you two things that'll help you. Can I give you two things today? Two things that'll help you with this. Number one is this when you get an issue, when you get stressed, when you get worried, when you get anxiety, when you get those things in your life, you need to do what you can do. Do what you can do. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, if you have a health issue, go see the doctor. If you have a health issue, exercise. Start eating better. Change some of your life habits. Do the things that you can do. If you've got a big test, study. Don't loaf. I remember when I was in college, it was one of the worst things about college was my professor, every time we'd take a test, they all did it. I think they passed the word around because they all did it. They would all pray a prayer before we go into Bible college. You pray before you take a test, which usually I'm grateful for. And I prayed all through high school. That's how I got passed. But well, we were sitting there in college, and I remember the first college class I took at Central Bible College, the professor gets up to take a test, and he says, Lord, I pray that you would help them remember the things they studied. I'm like, God, come on. I need you to pray a prayer like, help them remember the things he didn't study. Remember you to help the things that he didn't even think about studying. Got a test, Study. If you have a financial issue, make a budget. Get some good advice. Here's a novel idea. Spend less money than you make. Do what you can do. And then the second thing is this. Give God what you can't do. Give to God what you can't do. That you're going to trust God no matter what. We, can't, we don't have the ability to heal anybody. I don't have the ability to change people. I can't control situations. But yet, that's the very thing that we want, is control. We want to have our hands in it. Because we think if we have our hands in it, it'll get fixed. And God's saying, release it to me. I've said this before, and it's so true. You can have control, or you can have faith, but you cannot have them both. You can have one, or you can have the other, but you cannot have them both. You cannot have your hands grabbed firmly onto the things that you're dealing with. You cannot have your hands firmly on your life and say, God, I surrender all. Because it doesn't work that way. All. It's amazing. This passage of scripture says, it it talks about two things. There are two words I want us to hit from Philippians chapter 4, 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. How many of you know those are extremes? Right? We don't sing, I surrender most. Right? Or I surrender some. We sing, I surrender all. The extreme. Nothing or all, everything. And he says this, be anxious about nothing, but in everything. There is two ideas here that we are to say, God, I am believing that I can trust you no matter what, and you have it all. So when there's a battle that's happening, and you're constantly fighting in your mind, take it to God. We've got to learn, folks. The number one place where you do battle is right here. I've been alive on this earth for 46 years now. And from the time that I can remember thinking, most of the battles that I've done in my life, I've done between my ears. Very few of them had ever been of, of a physical nature. Yeah, there have been times I've broken an arm or I've, I've, I've got hit with a golf ball in the nose or, or different things that have happened to me that way that I couldn't control. But the thing is, when it came to do battle against the enemy of your soul, where does he attack? He doesn't attack my big toe. He attacks my mind. He attacks here. Because he knows that when he attacks here, and I start to think on it, Then my mind goes to unhealthy places. And as I go to unhealthy places, what's that cause me to do? It causes me to doubt God more and more. It causes me to get to the place where I don't trust as much as I should. It causes me to get to the place where I have to say, God, I don't know if this is what you have for me, but I'm going to, and eventually I'm going to kind of move away from the Lord instead of putting my life in Him. Because that's what He came to do. Some of you are really surprised by this statement that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to take care of you out. And if you could learn, folks, could you imagine what would happen to you, church, if you could learn to do battle in your mind, if you could take these principles and begin to use them in your mind and in your heart, and when the devil starts coming at you with different things, when he starts bringing strongholds and lies and different things in your life, you're able to combat that and take the truth of God's Word, take the power of prayer and say, not in my house, not in my community, not in my church, not in my life, I am taking authority that I'm taking every thought captive why because you have the power to demolish strongholds you have divine power through christ that can say i can speak to that mountain and it can be moved i've got divine power in jesus name i don't have to listen to the lies the lies will take you to a place you don't want to go but will you yeah the question is will you will you fight the battle Will you fight the battle? Because every day the devil's fighting a battle for you. Will you fight the battle to resist? Will you learn how to take him out in your mind? Could you imagine what might happen in your life? All that same old stuff he trips you up on every time. Could you imagine what would happen if you got victory over that? And then he had to find something new. Could you imagine what might happen in your family if all of a sudden you didn't believe the lies that said, oh, they don't want to hear about God anymore? They don't want to see that in your life anymore. If you started believing the lies that said, you know what? That person's too far gone, they'll never come to Jesus. And you start believing those thoughts. Could you imagine what would happen in your family if all of a sudden you said, no, I'm taking every thought captive. And nothing's impossible with my God. God can move in ways that I can't even see or think. The word of God says that he, he is able to do more than I could ever ask or imagine or think. Can you imagine? Can you, that blows my mind. Mind blown. You know Why? Because God is higher. He's able to do more than you could ever even think about doing. But you've got to win this war right here. Could you imagine what would happen in your community if a group of believers started taking authority and saying, it's Christ in me is bigger than the enemy. Christ in me is bigger than any problem or issue or struggle I'm facing. Christ in me is more than enough. We started thinking, God, you've called me to go. God, I'm going to reach my workplace. I'm going to reach my school. I'm going to reach my friends. I'm going to reach those people I come in contact with. And all of a sudden, we started thinking differently. Could you imagine what might happen? It'll never happen as long as you're listening to lies. It'll never happen as long as you're letting those lies develop a stronghold inside of your mind. Oh, we could never have revival. I don't know. I think the Holy Spirit wants to pour out a revival in you today. You know where it starts? Right here. Right here. You're going to have to break some habits. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to break some habits. I'm going to have to surrender some things to God. Yeah, you're going to have to surrender some things to God. But the number one thing you're going to have to do is defeat the enemy when he comes into your mind. And he starts telling you things like you're not good enough. You can't. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. You've tried your whole life, and this is as far as it gets. This religion thing, that's all it is. Everything he's talking about today is just nonsense. It's just religion. The devil's going to try to tell you all that stuff. And can I tell you, as long as you feed into those lies... They'll become your reality. But the moment you decide that you say, God, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to come with truth of God's word and I'm going to come with prayer and I'm going to come after him and I'm going to take every thought captive. That's when you'll see victory happen in your life. That's when God will do some great things and change you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Remember prayer changes you. It changes your mind. God's word changes your heart. We've given you some exercises to do in the last few weeks. One, one of those is to write down the truth, to think on the truth, to confess the truth, to believe the truth. To understand you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you see it. And then today, the thought process of bathing everything in prayer. And letting Jesus, here's the key, letting Jesus win the battle in your mind. Amen. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, today, I know that there are folks here today that are struggling. There are those here today that the worries of this world, the cares, the things that are going on around them have kept them up at night. It's been something that's, it's affected their marriages, it's affected their homes, it's affected their workplaces. And I pray, God, that today, through the word that you gave this morning, that you would help us to recognize God, recognize the enemy and what he's trying to do, to identify that in our life. But God, we've also got to do something about taking control of our mind. This morning, as you're here, that word says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Could you imagine what your life would look like, what your heart and your life would look like in that spirit of peace? Could you imagine what it would be like to have a, abide in heavenly joy that's so amazing that it's impossible for you to put in the words? Can I just affirm to you today that this is possible, but it's also a choice. It's a choice. You choose where you allow your mind to go. And if your mind is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, do you like the places where your mind is taking you? if you can't control what you think you'll never control what you do. So this morning here in just a few moments I'm going to have you stand. And we're going to have three different calls today. And as we go through these calls, if you're responding to one of them, I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to step out in faith and I want you to come and find a place to pray because we want to pray with you because we believe prayer changes not only circumstances and things, but it changes you. So, right now, would you stand to your feet as you prepare your heart? You're here this morning and you're someone who's struggling with worry. With anxiety, with fear, with panic, with those kind of things in your life. There are things that are in your life that are keeping you up at night. There are things that you can't deal with. You're having a hard time wrapping uh, all, all of your energy around it because it just seems so big. And you're carrying that burden all by yourself. And there may be times that you've come to God and you've said, God, I want to give this to you, but what you've done is you've taken it right back out of the God's hands and you took it into yours. And today you be honest and you say, Pastor, I I need to once and for all give it to Jesus. If that's you this morning, I invite you to come. The second call today is this. You're here today and, and when I made that comment about 12 minutes of a daily prayer life for eight weeks changes the very physical nature of your prayer life, you're thinking, man, I haven't even done that in my lifetime. And you say, man, I, I, Pastor, today I, I want to pray for a stronger prayer life. I want God to help me in this. I want a stronger devotional life. I want God to do something amazing in, in my life and in my heart. And if that's you, I want you to come. There's no embarrassment here. God, that's who I am. That's what I need. I come before you today. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Finally, there's some of you here today that you need to quit picking things back up. You need to give them to God completely and quit picking things back up. Say, God, I want to get to the place where I trust you with my life. I trust you with my situations, but I trust you with my life. And if you're here this morning and you've never said that, God, I trust you with my life. I want to give you my life. Or maybe you're here today and you're just in a bad situation of picking things up. You give them once, but you take them back. I invite you to come. We want to pray with you this morning. Pastor Dustin's going to lead us here in a song. And as he does that today, if, you find, if there's someone up here that you'd like to come and pray with, I encourage you to do that today. Come and lay your hands on him and pray with him this morning. As Pastor Dustin leads us in worship, help us. Help us, Jesus.